The year is 1996. ABC's parent company Capital Cities slash ABC Inc. is acquired by Disney. Sri Lanka wins the Cricket World Cup against Australia. Braveheart wins the Academy Award for Best Picture. The Unabomber is finally arrested after the FBI gets a tip from his brother. The Who headlines the Prince's Trust Concert, taking their first headlining act since 1989. The 1996 Summer Olympics are held in Atlanta, with the U.S. finishing with both the most gold medals and the most medals total. And the first successful cloning from an adult cell happens when Dolly the Sheep is born. Can these three podcasters find inspiration from Dolly Parton and create something new out of existing parts? This is Frankenstein's Jukebox. And welcome to Frankenstein's Jukebox. I'm Dan. And I'm, I'm James. And we have with us a very special guest that I'm super excited to have on the show with us today. It's Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Dan and James. Jordan, hi. This is the first time you and I have ever podcasted together and ever. I'm very stoked to be here. Yay! I'm very excited. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you very much for having me. I've never, I was talking, well, to myself, actually. I was thinking this, which is like a, which is a talking you do on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I realized, like, I've never been able to be on a show where I get to talk about music, and I love music. Yeah. So I'm very happy. This is going to be fantastic. Like, you were a no brainer. Like, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. We're like, well, Jordan? Yeah. Of course. Of haven't course. Heard what I have to, haven't heard what I have to say yet. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But if we don't like what you have to say, then, then we won't publish it. So, assuming yeah. that. Uh, We'll just release the episode with your bits completely silent so that James and I will be sitting there in silence for a good chunk of time. And then we'll just be like, yeah. Like oh, how I okay, recorded an entire on. episode last uh, night of Time and Scavengers where the guest didn't record his vocals. Oh, Oops. no. Hate that. Jordan, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Jordan Reed. I know Daniel and James through podcasting, through the Scavengers Network. We've all never met in real life, but I feel like there, it's with you two, I feel like we have met in real life. Hmm. It's nice it's a nice feel it's a nice electronic feeling so i'm just going to keep it music specific unless i'm asked otherwise i am a music professor i've been in higher ed for teaching in higher ed since 2012 i have degrees in saxophone which seems very niche and difficult to find work and you would be correct (laughs) i've been listening to music and obsessing over music Forever, which is a figure of speech, I'm just very excited to be here. We today are talking about 1996. Fellas, how was your 1996? What were you up to? James, you want to go first? I can go first. Sure. That was the end of seventh grade and the beginning of eighth grade for me, which means the end of my first year out in uh, in Virginia public schools where I 
currently am still in that same county and the beginning of eighth grade which was a, a big year for me in terms of making friends uh the as daniel mentioned the summer olympics was that summer and i was big into that i got all the books and and you know had opinions i don't think i ever like <laughs> watched any of the uh actual sports but like the meta like sort of the collecting the baseball cards of the of the deal was 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 something i was big into that's straight up that is super cool <laughs> that you that you read. I think you're the only person on human earth that read more about the Olympics while they were happening than watched the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know where I would have watched them. I'm sh- it, what's funny is it would be funny if my stepdad was like actively watching them and I was just upstairs reading the book about like, <laughs> oh, wouldn't this be weird to 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 see Flojo run and just like <laughs> nope. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I, I, let's see, seventh grade, I was, you know, uh, hanging out with, oh, that would have been when, that, the summer of that would have been when I got my first, uh, both my first CD single, which was Oasis's Ooh. Don't Look Back in Anger, and uh, with the B-side being Come On, Feel the Noise um, by Whoa. Quiet Riot, the cover of that, which is really good, and uh, my first full album, well, it I know that the first full album I went and bought was No Code by Pearl Jam, but I think that uh, Cranberries to the Faithful Departed was before that. Whoa. But all of that happened then. And then also, um, 96, yeah, that would have been um, my friend Christian stole um, Biggie's Life Life After Death. Uh, No, that was 97. That was 97. Forget it. I think I've already told that story. Never mind. Um, He didn't steal it until the following year. (laughs) Uh, But I know he did buy uh, Dishwalla's Counting Blue Cars as the single the day that I bought the Oasis single, which is, those are two pretty good songs. Uh, Neither of which I picked uh, in any capacity for this one. So, yeah, I mean, it was a weird time. Um, I was still making friends with um, uh, boys back then. And uh, (laughs) it was pretty good. Yeah, eighth grade, but eighth grade was when I was like, hey, these these girls are pretty uh pretty cool and they know about stuff like three eleven and 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 bands that are really fun to to talk about and whatever. And my friend Christian's a big dummy. So like, you know, it was uh shout out to Christian. That would be what a wild listener would be to have him write in about that. Uh but yeah, that was basically my, my ninety six was sort of still acclimating. It was my first full summer in Northern Virginia, sort of acclimating to all of that. Wow. Nice. Yeah. That's wonderful, James. Yeah, thanks. Daniel, what I want to know about your 96. My 96 was great. I would have been in second and third grade. Very oh, nice. wow. I turned eight in 96, which means that I had a couple of very important firsts that year. Okay. First time that I went to Disney World. Nice. Whoa. But much more importantly, the very first uh, improv comedy show that I ever performed in. Whoa, when you yeah. were like when you were that little? <laughs> yes. So my parents started doing improv comedy a couple of years beforehand, and my sisters and I were just like loved it, and so they like taught us kind of the basics you know yes and and the basics of improv and they like talked to the people at the comedy club and they're like hey can we like reserve some space for you know a sunday afternoon or something when we're not going to have a show and just let the kids do a show and they agreed we had other comedians from the club join us on our teams and like it was oh it was a blast can i ask an improv history question you may. If the answer is a long time, then let's just move on. But was improv <laughs> fairly n- new in 1996? Like, how long has improv as we know it sort of been 
a thing. Were your parents getting in on like a ground floorish sort of situation? Kind of. I mean, improv's of course improv comedy's been around for a long time. Right. Like like codified like really becoming like a th- it it definitely had a boom in the nineties. That guy in Chicago, I forget I mean, his name is is escaping. Del Close. Me. That one, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh Del Close had a, a lot to do with that. Yeah. Giant hole that he was correct yeah yeah uh not a great person but did did have a lot to do with uh improv getting going both long form and short form uh and of course whose line is it anyway sure with its you know that short form improv was what we were doing at the time so like that was what my sisters and i did and yeah so Mm. That's really uh, cool. Your parents yeah. only get cooler as this show progresses. <laughs> My parents have been very cool for a very long time. I was going to guess that improv started when the first person ever lied. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think mean, that's just that's theater, right? That's the that's theater. Yeah, but I mean, like making it up on the spot. I don't know. I think like you know, Crow Magnon, Australopithecus, or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, I thought there was like a chunk of lizard to eat. Oh. And they obviously ate it before. Right. Yeah, it isn't here now. I mean, yeah. it, was, it probably wasn't a great lie, but I would assume it probably. It. I don't know if I would count it. it as improv comedy. <laughs> True. Well, it depends on how funny the lie was. It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> Pterodactyl swooped down through the window. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and it's just, I don't it know was how. terrifying. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. I had Hello. my third grade teacher, Mr. Suter, was phenomenal, very supportive. I was going through, I was, that's when I was really beginning to like struggle as a student because mm. I was struggling with like attention issues and not really grasping what was going on. Sure. So I, uh, it was really great to have just a very good supportive teacher like Mr. Suter who's risen through the ranks of the, scou- the, the county's uh, school system and is, I think still doing pretty great and ha- has is making a big difference for a lot of kids, which is important. That's awesome. Nice. That's really awesome. That was my ninety six to the best of my memory because again, I was eight. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, how about you? Uh, okay, I think ninety six. Because what you're six years old in first grade, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Six and then seven, eight, nine. Oh, I counted and I still, as I was counting, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. Uh, you turned 10 in fourth grade, uh, in, in, in or shortly after fourth grade. Oh, that's great. Okay, so fourth grade, for fourth and fifth grade, I went to a different school and I met one of my closest friends still today. His name is Brandon. Um, who's also a teacher, and because we were, in, it's really funny, we're, we're both teachers teaching in very different ways, uh, but we had the same fourth grade teacher who was like this pivotal person in our lives and an educator who we recently just lost, which is a huge bummer. Mm. And then we've like reconnected with all of our classmates in fourth grade and because we were like doing theater and learning more about music and art and self-expression and descriptive writing and all this cool stuff. But we both realized that we teach largely because of him. So that was a cool connection in fourth grade. But then it's also because I met Brandon so I, I was always into music, especially because I have um, two older brothers and an older sister who are they're nine and 12 years older than me. So like, you know, I grew up with Cypress Hill, Tribe Called Quest, Early Green Day, um, 
uh, oh my gosh, Morphine, The Cure. So if I wasn't listening to like hip hop or rock or punk adjacent from my brothers, my sister who was super moody, I was like learning about like Depeche Mode, In Excess, Tears for Fears, The Cure. Oh, um, oh, what a I have great, such what a older sibling hatred for you right now. Like I yeah. <laughs> like where I was like, my friend was like, hey, uh, that Christian decided he was a rapper. Oh, we nice. had rockers and rappers. So he left our fold and went over to the other fold, which was like looking back is such a problematic thing for. But I had no one to tell me <laughs> what cool stuff to listen to anymore for a little bit. Because I didn't have an older sibling? Ugh, I'm so jealous. That's so cool. That's really, really cool. I feel very lucky to have like been influenced by them. But then Brandon was the one who I think sparked my love for heavier music and like experimental rock and roll. And for us back then, it was like, you know, not giving too much away yet, it was like Beck and mm-hmm. like Blue Oyster Cult. And Black Sabbath, like when we were mm. in fourth grade, like obsessing, obsessing over all the members of Black Sabbath. And like we, we, we tried to start a Black Sabbath tribute band in fifth grade. <laughs> and our, our name, our name was Fire and Brimstone. And we were 11. Oh my God. And it was so cool. And we, we never played Amplified, but we both had electric, uh, he had an electric guitar and I had an electric bass. And I would like kind of learn by watching his fingers. So yeah, that was that was 96 for me. It was a lot of like learning a lot of cool stuff, being in a really good educational environment. I think my siblings weren't at home anymore. They were all in college or other or somewhere else. But it was a ton of a ton of music and movies, mm. which was like 96. That that's why this year that the show's about was like, oh, it has to be 1996. Yeah. It has to be 96. Yeah. I don't know why I thought Jordan was going to come on and not be the absolute coolest. I don't know why I thought that. I that's, don't know why you would have thought that. It, like, it's a dumb thing to have thought because, like, of course you were in a Black Sabbath. You were getting into Black Sabbath in fourth grade when I was still, like, I was a senior in high school and being like, I'm going to I'm gonna get into Black Sabbath even though they're devil's music. And I, you know, put it, put Paranoid on. The first track is an anti-war track. And then the whole rest of the album is like, uh, don't do war. Don't do drugs. Uh, maybe take care of each other. And I get to the end and I'm like, that wasn't. That was that was the most wholesome thing I've listened to all year. You know, it was it was also around I think fifth or sixth grade. Like I was in I was in love with Black Sabbath, and I was also at the same time going to a Christian church group. Sure, like every well, it wasn't Sunday night. It was like every Wednesday night we'd meet. Wednesday, yep. And then we had to we had to. Um, I thought you were going to say Wednesday. Really good day of the week. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Wednesday. Pretty, Wednesday, love that show. Oh, love that show. And the day of the week. <laughs> Anything about it, really. Um, but we, we, we all were tasked with bringing in a song that we liked. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time because, I don't know, I guess I was just like religiously uh, or just socially just kind of like a space cadet. But I brought in the Black Sabbath tune. I think it's just called Black Sabbath. The one, bam, bram, bram. Or no, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's yeah, that one. Octave, that's the one. Octave and then a tritone. And like, it's all about like, um, yeah, I think it's like really heavy handed about say like Satanism yeah. and all this stuff. And the leader of the group who was the pastor of the church was like super, super patient the whole time. And we listened to the whole track. And I think it's like a 12 minute track maybe seven or 12 minutes 
And mm. then afterwards, he was like, so why did you pick that one? After we listened to the whole track, and I was like, oh, I just think it's like really fun and dark and like really heavy. I, but I didn't realize that I was bringing Satan into a, a church group. But yeah, I loved loved Black Sabbath. Still like Black Sabbath. Yeah, I just, yep. Just the coolest person. Just like, yeah, when I was in fourth grade, I was into like Cypress Hill and Tribe Called... Ugh. Wait till we get to 1992, and we'll talk about what what old oh. Jamesy was into in fourth grade. Like 92 is going to be such a Lion King set. soundtrack all the time. Like my mom's like, "What about this REM CD?" And I was like, "No, Tim Rice, Nelton John have my heart forever." And she was like, "Please play anything else, anything." That is a great soundtrack, though, Jamesy. I mean, it is a great soundtrack. It's a truly like, great soundtrack. I if you I mean like think about like random little songs that get stuck in your head and it's can you feel the love tonight almost like or everyone singing um circle of life yeah. I don't know like maybe you like change the lyrics a little bit um but yeah. it's the like those songs they infiltrate your brain like nonstop I recall listening to the soundtrack nonstop without knowing what the plot of the movie was somehow. Oh, wow. Like, I hadn't seen the movie. So there's that reprise of Can You Feel the Love Tonight that's like, um, like, he, you know, or the part, part of the, Can You Feel the Love Tonight is like, you know, he's holding back, he's hiding, but what, I can't, well, uh, why won't he be the king? I know he is and all this stuff. I'm like, God, what happened? <laughs> like, what? My goodness, what, what happened? Is he, does he not know that, like... He was singing a couple seconds ago about how he can't just wait to be. He just can't wait to be king. What happened? Like, piecing together plot. Like, I did the same thing with Book of Mormon, which I got and loved and listened to way before I knew anything about, like, what happened in between the songs. So, Lion King and uh, Book of Mormon, two musical uh, influences. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I was muted. What was going on? (laughs) Sorry, I kind of blacked out there. What happened? (laughs) Well, do we want to jump into our honorable monsters and talk about uh, the songs we didn't pick? Yes. Yeah. It's not that they weren't good enough. It's not that they weren't up to snuff. It's just that we didn't pick them. Wonderful. Well, let's start it off by going to our Discord and seeing what contributions we got from some of our friends over Ooh. on the Scavnet Discord. Yeah, I can't wait. Yes. Colin M. Parker gave us several, several, yeah. several songs. Here we go. Here in Your Bedroom by Goldfinger. So good. Everything Sucks by Descendants. Mm-hmm. Most of the tracks from Turn the Radio Off by Real Big Fish. Play-Doh, Martian Girl, Idiot Box, CD Repo Man from The Return of the Aquabats by the aquabats wrong way by sublime one of my favorite songs of all time the difference by the wallflowers also one headlight but the difference fucking rips yes he says correct and he's not a big dave matthews band kind of guy but crash into me is a fun song oh that album too was honestly i'm not a huge dmb fan although fun fact you did just call them dmb so like i mean all right so anyways um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I did I, I did get the chance to see him in concert, and I was four rows back. And it was a cool concert. Their saxophone player now, Jeff Coffin, who was also the saxophone player with Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, uh, especially mm. on their, like, when you look at Bela Fleck live and you see the videos of them, it's live at the quick. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing, like, just really horrible outfits. Um, 
but I guess for the time they they were fine. Um, their saxophone player Jeff Coffin, I had a, a saxophone lesson with one time when I, it was like 2008. He came to my undergrad and played a guest show and did this cool stuff with our jazz band and. I asked him for a lesson and we got to do a lesson together and it was super cool. And I still use like one element out of his lesson structure in my own lessons. And like, that is so cool. It was hard not to pick Crash and like at least one of the tracks off of it for an honorable, for, for an honorable monster. But it would have been insincere because I didn't listen to it that much, but it's still a super right. important album. Yeah. 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 I also. Can't say I'm a huge fan, but love that album. Uh, ah. That album was was is very good, and I, I did listen to it a lot back then. Yeah, yeah. For for me, Dave Matthews is a is a uh, a greatest hits sort of uh, band. I like uh, uh, before these crowded streets, which was the one after Crash. I like that one a lot. That one was sort of like my whatever. But like I like a lot of the singles from DMB a lot. I call them DMB because I really like them a lot. <laughs> I will say, though, that there is a sleeper track on the album that came out directly after Carter... Is it Buford? Beaufort? I think it was Beaufort. Well, a- after he passed, um, this album came... This they, they, they released the album, and there's this one track. I think Dave is like... He plays it on this tiny, tiny... I think it's a baritone acoustic guitar. It might be. Or it's some sort of... A, it doesn't really matter. But it's this nice little intro. It's like acoustic. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like boodle-doo-doo-dee-dum. Boodle-doo-doo-dee-dum. Just it shows you how musical I am. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, it's like, oh my gosh. It is. I, I, I always think with, with, with DMB, like when Dave is sitting down and like choosing to write a sentimental song, his mm. sentimental songs are like really profound compared to all of his other jam bandy stuff. Right. I can agree with that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Jarf. Yep. In the Scavengers Network. <laughs> Shout out to Jarf. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Jarf. Said, how many mics and Fuji La by the Fugees. Yeah. Stars of Track and Field by Bell and Sebastian. Oh. And Where It's At by Beck. Yes. Yep. Yep. He also co-signed The Difference by Wallflowers. Uh, nice. Jarf is one of the coolest people. Like, I would listen to a, a Jarf Jordan Reed podcast all oh, God. day. Please, yeah, I'm yeah. down. Please. Sign me up. Jarf me up. Jarf is the coolest, and like he's so like nice and and wholesome. But he was also like like a a punk in high school, and I just really love thinking of Jarf as being like, man, fuck you, like, but in a nice way. Anyways, right? Okay, fuck off a little, <laughs> just a little bit. Just have enough. a good day and fuck off. I mean, the first one. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jarf also says that '96 was the year that he saw Real Big Fish at the Warped Tour. Of course, oh See, my that's what I'm talking gosh, about. Yeah. that would have been a heck of a show. Uh, I, now I'm thinking about the Warped Tour. Yeah. See, yeah. that's the thing. I have like that. That uh, what is it called? Um, FOMO. That's. I think it's. It's either called FOMO or it's called diarrhea. I forget what it's called. Oh, well. <laughs> um, it's one of the two. It's one of the two. It's I the, thought you were saying something else. <laughs> Sorry. All of a sudden, I'm what was feeling. The, what was the question? <laughs> um, but it's it, like, what is it? The the staircase syndrome. There's like not a good direct translation to English or whatever, but it's that French term where like you think of the perfect comeback as you're walking away, like in the staircase. <sighs> so it's. One of those things where it's like, why didn't I think of that in 96? Music mm. festivals. Warp Tour was enormous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I that, fricked yeah. up. I'm trying to, I I don't think I ever saw Real Big Fish play Warp Tour, but 
Then again, maybe I did. Those are the options. Um, <laughs> yeah, you either did or potentially you didn't. I, I feel like one of those years in like the early 2000s when they were like doing uh, sporting cheer up, I feel like maybe I may have seen them. But wow. it doesn't matter. 1990, seeing them in 1996 at Warp Tour, an entirely different. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh. So those are the uh, honorable monsters we got from our Discord. So then, uh, James, would you like to share with us your honorable monsters? I would love that. And here we go. I uh, the, I also had a Fuji song, No Women No Cry, from uh, from that same album. Oh, my gosh. Great um, pick. Just so good. good. I picked uh, Novocaine for the Soul by Eels. Yes! Yes, James! Yeah. That, yes! That's a, it's a... It's a that's a, that album pretty dark for for seventh eighth grade James oh, pretty dark dude oh but my gosh I <laughs> yeah I'm gonna shut up for a minute yep yes no yes. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a it's a great great album great single this five is too is too few but also I mean I know it's the good amount but like this this list could have been fifteen uh, Radiohead talk show host which was the song oh. from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack yes. I'll be I'll be waiting with a gun and a packet of sandwiches is one of the lines uh, in one of the most hardcore rap Radiohead songs of all time. This and also the chillest. It's so good. Ugh. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> so that track was I don't know what came first, the Romeo and Juliet remake, which yeah. is an incredible film, by the way. Yep, it real it really it's is. Like, like it is. Oh, it's it still holds. Like I know people like to kind of meme on John Leguizamo, but. And that, like, I that's like some of his. They best. do because he ruled. He like I know. <laughs> it's executed flawlessly. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know if you can pick up the audio of my goosebumps, but that I don't know what came first, that track or the movie. But that tune is like, I know. So in ninety, so ninety six sandwiches between the bends. And then OK Computer, yep. which okay, honestly computer, yes. is one yeah. reason why 96 sucks is because there's no, a, there, there's not a lot of Radiohead. But right. the, like the Radiohead we get is like that track. Like if you were to like, if we, okay, hey, Radiohead, hey, Tom and everyone, we need some, we need Radiohead butter to smooth between yeah. the bends and OK yes. Computer. That yes. single was like, oh my, it's yeah. such a good song. You know, I think it was a Ben's outtake, and here's why I think that: because they wrote exit music for a film for Romeo and Juliet, oh. and then they decided not to use it. The film in the parentheses is Romeo and Juliet. But they decided not to use it, and they used talk show host instead. And I think that was from uh, from a Ben's uh, a Ben's B side. That's interesting. Amazing. Yeah. So if you listen, listen to exit music for a film with Romeo and Juliet in mind, and it's it's it should have been on the soundtrack. Like it, it's. It's perfect. It's exactly Romeo and Juliet in a radio Hell song. Yeah. Like, <sighs> okay, so um, then I have uh, the first track on Squirrel Nut Zipper's Hot album, Got My Own Thing Now. Um, I had a yeah. black cassette tape that my cousin Jesse, who was into swing dancing and the what remains one of the coolest people I know, she made me a, a tape on a black cassette tape of Hot, and I would listen to it. It was the. It's exactly how I want that sound to be delivered to my ears, which is like crappy cassette quality. Like it's just per like, I guess if I could have it on like a 78, that'd be better. But like cassette quality on Squirrel Nut Zipper is perfect. And the way this song starts and it's, it's a, how the singer got indoctrinated into like swing music and stuff. Oh, 
so perfect. It's also how I got inducted into swim music. So I don't know why I made that uh, distinction before, but here we are. And then my final, my <laughs> final uh, bit, I did until uh, right before we were trying to hit record, uh, only have the album for this, uh, but I did pick two songs, but the whole album was really good. Rage, Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire came out in 1986. Uh, the first two tracks are People of the Sun and Bulls mm. on Parade, and they're uh, perfect. They're per- like... Rage Against the Machine is great, and they make great, great music. And I understand if people are like, the first album was better or whatever. People of the Sun and Bulls on Parade are the perfect Rage Against the Machine album, uh, songs. And I, well, I'll stand by uh, that. So those are my uh, honorable uh, monsters for 1996. I feel, I feel love weak. It. Just like thinking about... Thinking about... Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I just love thinking about these songs. <laughs> I just love it. James, you have yeah. such a good time. Thank you. Thank you. Jordan, would you like to share your honorable <sighs> yes. monsters with us? Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to put them in any order because they were in an order on here. And now, of course, I'm already, I'm already like, yeah, but does that make sense? <laughs> so these are in no order. So I'm going to read them just, you know, silly goose style, kind of out of, out of order. <laughs> the first one is New Pollution from yeah. Beck. Yes. Off of Odelay. Yes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I think about this track. I wrote notes down 2 months ago and the whole the whole idea of Beck is I don't think people realize like people around our age, I'm 37. I know James you're older Correct. than me, Daniel you're a little younger. People around our age who liked Beck growing up, specifically who got into Odelay, like if you think about some of these groups now, I never remember is it a thousand gex? A hundred gex? What's the gex? Ten thousand? Ten thousand? Whatever the gex number is. <laughs> like, if you listen to that music, which sounds like the way someone, it's like, if you could, if you could put to music how somebody searches the internet, it sounds like that. Like, that's, this album, this entire album, Odelay, it's, if you listen to it, it's like coming right after Lord Only Knows, which is a country tune. Yeah with sampling and then all of a sudden we get new pollution which starts with the sampling chorus exactly and then all of a sudden we go into this super high pass like drum stuff and it makes no sense but it fits so well same with devil's haircut same with whatever like beck beck was create and it wasn't only beck but Beck was making it cool for us now to be okay with groups like gex or even like stuff like dubstep where there's mm-hmm. no rhyme or reason for transitions. Yeah. It just happens and we're cool with it. And I read like this whole album is like kind of a somewhat in huge air quotes acoustic dubstep yeah. album. Yeah. It's it's so weird. It's that's um, my favorite Beck song. New Pollution is my favorite Beck song. Oh. It's 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 just, a great it's yeah. Devil's Haircut oh is mine. Oh my gosh. It, uh, very nearly made my list, but Devil's oh. Haircut would be 6 yeah, or 7. This, also Novocaine for the Soul by Eels. Yeah. Woo. Eels are the most like what straightforward, not only like not even an emo group, just so blatantly sad yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But then they have Mr. E's Beautiful Blues, which is one of the most upbeat, like the next album. I didn't listen to it. I did listen to that song, but like I'm like, what? Like I love it. But this album is so like. Like if you took all the ska and reggae influences out of uh, Sublime and you just had the sort of growing up poor like yes. stuff and like it's sort of hard to survive in a world sort of stuff that Sublime has, it would be Eels. Like it's like, and great, it's great, great, great stuff. But like that must be her sister, right? 
is just like bah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I I listened to that. I I listened to that track on my way to work this morning, and it's it's cool because like I don't I don't focus a lot on lyrics because I don't know if it's just because of like I grew up playing a melodic instrument, so I focus more on everything instrumental. But whatever. But there are some groups where, like Saul Williams being another one. But I understand Saul Williams is a poet, mm. and then Eels because the the songwriting and the lyricism or the the prose are just mm-hmm. so good, yeah. so so good. Same with Fiona Apple, who's yeah. also on my yeah. list. But like, oh my god! Like um, in 1998, uh, Eels released. I didn't just know that. I had to look it up. Um, released Electroshock yeah. Blues, which that album is also just so heavy-handedly sad like i it's almost i i I think it's a it's it's either autobiographical or it's a concept album about him being sick and dying and losing his family in a fire and like all this really intense stuff but i i watched an interview with him when youtube was like starting to become youtube and i remember this interviewer was like so a lot of people want to know what your songs mean because it seems so straightforward and he was like well yeah they mean what they mean they're straightforward for a reason because I want people to know what I'm singing about. And I thought that was such a profound thing to say. Like, yeah, I write really heady and wordy stuff, but that's, it's all at face value. Like not requiring like, like a ticket for entry from your listeners. Like they didn't have to do any research beforehand. He's like, this is exactly what it's about. I can't imagine an interviewer coming up with the question. Your songs seem pretty straightforward, but are they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, so, what are we missing? It seems like we can get them right away. That can't be. Tell us more. Well, he's like, yeah, I, no, there, no. You're you're smarter than that, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> next on my list is "Sleep to Dream," Fiona mm-hmm. Apple. "Sleep to Dream" was the first Fiona Apple track I heard, and also this one, like ten seconds in, fifteen seconds in. The like drop, as it yeah. were, also comes out of nowhere. Is this from Title? This is a from the Title album. Title, yes, 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 yes. Spelled T I D A L because Fiona Apple is a clever one. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I remember being really blown away with this song, and then Fiona Apple as well, because up until this point in my life, I never heard, I never heard an artist like most female artists were always portrayed. And I bet you a lot of times it was their labels yeah. or the people who were behind like curating their stuff. It wasn't them. Like they all had to like fit this, like this mold and be kind of cutesy and like be really polite. And Fiona Apple wasn't, which I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is gritty and nice. And it's like visceral and it's actually like really exciting i felt the same way about early no doubt Mm -hmm. like gwen stefani being crass and loud and like doing the cool ska dance across the stage i felt the same way about alanis morissette i uh, alanis morissette was my first Mm -hmm. concert i think that was in like 1994 maybe 95 nice but i remember just having this fascination with like oh yeah people are quote unquote or artists are quote unquote supposed to be a certain way to sell records but the artists who weren't to me, were the ones who were like, oh, they're doing the real work. Right. They're like, they're the ones who are doing really exciting stuff. Yeah. And I love it. So I love good. it. Fiona Apple rips. She's still releasing awesome music. Yeah. Uh, another one on my list is Burden in My Hand by Soundgarden. Dude, this track, Chris Cornell, rest in peace. His voice, his voice is so good. 
It's just so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, he's he was he was transplanted from like the early '80s from a hair metal group. I, I just I can't get enough of his music, and I. I, I slept on him for a while because when Rage dissolved and that Audio Slave happened, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, it's not the same." Right. I don't like I don't like any of those guys anymore. Which was, you know, whatever. I was young when that happened, <laughs> and my brain wasn't what my brain is right. today. And it won't, you know, whatever. Not saying it's good, but but like realizing just how powerful of a singer and how powerful of a front person Chris Cornell was yeah. was like, oh my gosh, he just sounds so good, and it just. It's, yeah. It starts so hard. I can go on. I listened to uh, Down on the Upside. In listening to preparing for tonight, I was listening to 1996 songs. And then um, Pretty News came on. And I was like, uh, I should listen to... I'd been watching some YouTube videos of, of this uh, opera singer reacting to, to various sort of heavier... Uh, music. And she watched uh, some Soundgarden stuff. And I was like, I've never listened to a Soundgarden-like album. Like I knew, sing, again, singles from the radio, whatever. So I listened to Down on the Upside. And it's just... Like, sometimes albums are like, oh, I know that song. Yeah, eh, yeah. Oh, this one and that one, sure. This was like, all of these songs rule. And like you were saying, like, it'll go from like, like, you know, a song I know or whatever into like, oh, this is just a really, this is basically a punk song into like, just a really like, intro, like, it's just all over the place in the very best of ways. And I just really, really enjoyed listening to it a lot. I, I agree. Like, I'm I'm an album person. Yeah. I think it's because I used to save up money when I was working at Domino's. I would save up all my tip money and I would go to a used record store. And they, this was one of my favorite ways to find out about music. They had this huge, uh, it was this record store in Menor, Ohio called Ultrasound, which I thought, that's yeah. nice. And they had their, their used CD section was almost as big as their new CD section. And I would go through and I would just pick album art that yes. I liked. And they had a little portable CD player yes. with headphones. And I would bring it like a stack of 20 or 30 and just go through them all. I'd be there for a while, maybe buy five or six albums because they were like three right. bucks. But I think that's nice. why like still today when when an artist or a group releases an album, I have to do top to yeah. bottom. Because certain songs, just like um, New Pollution, how it's even better because it comes after Lord Only Knows, yeah. like that brings in a whole another level of programming yeah. and how you, it's it's like going to a tasting menu. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I think certain songs stand out even more. Yes, they're great on their own, but based on what comes before and what comes after, it's like you're, it's like the the album or the, the set list or the programming is like your like spirit guide or something, yeah. or like your person who did not take ayahuasca right. and you took it and they're guiding you through your ayahuasca journey. Right. I full album. Once, yeah. uh, I once got an album that I was really looking forward to, and I, 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 you know, uploaded it to iTunes, put it on my iPod, was all set to go, hit play, and then five songs in, I realized my album was on shuffle, and I could, I don't think I've ever listened to that oh. album all the way through because it ruined the whole thing for me. <laughs> I was like, well, I may as well just never listen to this again, ever. Like, <laughs> I should go back and listen I to that it. album now in order because i think the effect will have worn off from me having heard the songs out of order but like that's it'll i'm absolutely with you i'm like i have to hear and like when they put bonus songs at the end i'm like look you know i love i love a cool b-side i'll even get down with like a live track or whatever but could you have like i just want to hear the album like they put out and like i hear that so yeah just give me the the album. album 
and the I mean, and the, the extra stuff elsewhere because I still want those extra goodies. Don't deny me that. True. <laughs> yeah, but like a little fun, little tiny yeah, little exactly. album. Give exactly. me a tiny little yeah. one. My my last honorable monster is People of the Sun from Rage Against the Machine because I don't think I, I'm 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 sure they they exist, but it's one of those things where it's like name a more recognizable and iconic like first two pitches of any but like and it's not just it's not just that it's the fact that uh tom morello used an allen wrench in the studio to do it and it's so diy and so cool and i don't know if it was that album or the one before but they were touring and playing all these cool gigs and Tom Morello had to develop his sound before they recorded it because a bunch of people stole his gear. They just stole their gear out of their van or something. So then oh, wow. Tom Morello went and bought, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had to buy or the studio had it, whatever. He was using a really inexpensive amp yeah. and then spent a few hours before they recorded the whole thing, tweaking every dial and then when he finally got his sound where he wanted it, he put Sharpie on the thing so he can go to any amp ever and then dial it in and get exactly his sound. So that's really cool, knowing that he did that before it, picking up an Allen wrench, and it's such a simple riff. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's just so good. And it's, yeah, it's a great track. Love it. Ugh. Great, great picks. Excellent. Love it. Love yeah, it. Fantastic. Solid Thanks, picks. you two. Thanks, you two. Daniel. I got to know what your honorable monsters All right. are. I got to know. Yeah, Daniel. All right. Well, also in no specific order because I can't. Sure. I just can't <laughs> put them in an order. That's like picking a favorite child. This one was very difficult for me. The rest of the 90s, uh, honestly, were all very difficult for me to, to narrow down just to six picks, right? Like one pick and five honorable monsters. Yeah. It's so hard to narrow it down. But I went with Cubs and Five by the Mountain Goats okay. off the Nine yep. Black Whoa. Poppies EP. Mountain Goats. That is, uh, of course, yeah, <laughs> no, no one is surprised that I picked the Mountain Goats song, but it's a great, just like strong acoustic strumming, like a lot of early Mountain Goats. Just basically just John by himself and singing again. It's a bitter song about how all of these things are going to happen, that the Chicago Cubs will win, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win in football, (laughs) the stars will spell out the answer to tomorrow's crosswords, and I will love you again. Basically saying all of these things will never happen. Got back together with his ex-wife in 2012 when the Cubs won the... No. No, that didn't happen. (laughs) <laughs> no. Uh, nor recently when the Tampa Bay... And when you said the stars, I was like Dallas or uh, Minnesota. I went with Straw Hat and Old Dirty Hank by Bare Naked Ladies, but specifically the version right. off of Rock Spectacular. Right. Nice. The energy in that song, I used to not yeah. like live versions of songs because I felt like they had a different sure. energy to the studio sure. versions, and I didn't like that. I have since very much turned around on that sure. and love a good live version, but this one was one of the first ones that really is just like smacked yeah. me in the face. There, There's the line, um, I know your address, that he just yeah. yells, like there, slams on the piano and yells that yeah. line and it's just like oh yeah oh damn this yeah okay yeah oh. yes please give me more of that energy that album is so good that song's so good just great pick excellent 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 pick yeah 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 thank you 
Next up, I uh, I had Idiot Box by the Aquabats off Return nice. of the Aquabats because the Aquabats are just always great. My next one is uh, Garden Head Leave Me Alone by Neutral Milk Hotel off Ooh. of On Avery Island. That's a heavy pick. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of Neutral Milk Hotel is a good combination of like going hard and really weird. Yeah. Especially lyrically. And that's just right in my wheelhouse of music. That is that is what I absolutely love. I feel like every smart person I know really likes Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because when you listen to them, it's really hard to... It, like. I wouldn't be able to put on a Neutral Milk Hotel album and just sort of listen to it passively. Mm. It's it's a pretty yeah. it's it's a pretty engaged listening for sure. On Avery Island has a few misses for me as an album on the whole, but Garden Head Leave Me Alone is just a great just roll the window down, you know, sing at the top of your lungs type of uh, type of moments to it that I absolutely yeah, love. Dude. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then my my last one is Till My Head Falls Off by They Might Be Giants off Factory <laughs> Showroom. So, yeah. Mountain Goats, Bare Naked Ladies, They Might Be Giants. Uh, I'm hitting a lot of no surprises here, but... No, no surprises was on uh, in OK Computer in 1997, so that one would... Yeah, uh, I knew yeah. that. As soon as I said that, I'm like, ah, it's a Radiohead <laughs> joke coming up. Uh, but... Factory Showroom was like the first They Might Be Giants album that came out after I like really like understood enough about like after I really started to get into music and and uh, my parents raised me on They Might Be Giants so like I already knew a lot of their That's stuff rad. but I wasn't like aware of like new th- this was the first album that came out that I'm like oh this is new stuff like it was one of the first ones that made me realize oh this is like a thing that goes on and continues that's super yeah, cool. That, that, that's yeah. got to be really cool. Like your, your parents hipping you to a group that's like still actively writing and making music and then them releasing yeah. albums after you've invested a lot of time into their backlog and then releasing new stuff and being of a certain age where you're like, it's like, well, you're probably always stoked to find out that groups you really like are, release, are releasing new music. But like, that's got to be really cool because like my my parents didn't really introduce me to groups that were still actively doing stuff. They kind of right. like stopped listening mm-hmm. to music when they were like 15, it seemed like. And they were and they would like always recommend stuff to me that came out like in the thirties or the forties or like when my mom was in high school and like all she liked was Led Zeppelin and deep purple. And it's like, well, they're not really releasing much anymore. Um, but like to be involved with that, that's, that's really neat. That's got to feel like almost like really private. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just I I also love it because like, they might be giants are still releasing great oh, totally. music, and like earlier this year I went to go see a they might be giants concert with my parents as I have done every time they've That's come around. So cool. Until my head falls off, just has again a really fun energy. It gets a little bit frantic, I would say at points. That is just really fun to to kind of bop your head along to. Nice, Daniel. Fantastic. Nice. So, those are nice. my honorable monsters. Good ones. Love them. I think we have some great honorable monsters. There's no way we could possibly top them with three more songs. <laughs> I do actually think that there is a way that we could do that. Uh, and that's by getting into our picks. Woo! Okay. 
So let's just get right into our picks here. Let's start off. Jordan, would you like to tell us what song you picked and why? <sighs> yes. This was, I hope this makes sense, or this doesn't sound like a, I don't know. Well, I just want this, I, I just want, maybe I'll just preface it with this. Um, well, I'm from the Midwest, so maybe you can already tell because of how much prefacing and apologizing I do. But I would like, <laughs> I want to preface this by saying this. I, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, I just want to say this, this was a really difficult pick until it wasn't. Mm, sure. I have a really difficult time when people, you know, like people find out you like a certain thing and they're like, oh, what's your favorite? That certain thing. And right. it's not that I have a, like, I, I'm afraid of commitment, but it's, it's just like, yeah, but there are so many reasons why this is good, but that's also completely subjective because music in a way doesn't exist. It does when it does, but it doesn't when it doesn't. It's hard to like, uh, like it's hard to say why it like why something's amazing and then like that's what's so cool about music i think in general is like this this tune to me like has so much influence on who i am as a musician uh the type of music that i like and appreciate the type of music i seek out but that's what's so cool about it is because it's such a profound tune but to somebody yeah. else, it's like, yeah, all right, I like it. And that's what I think is so cool. I, I don't know. I Whatever. So I had a hard time picking it until I did not. And it is Super Bon Bon by Soul Coughing off of Irresistible Bliss. And why I chose it? Oh, man, oh man, holy smokes. There is sampling, which is awesome, which is also very 90s to sample stuff. When was it? Slipknot's first album came out. Uh, or like their 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 big album came out in what ninety eight maybe ninety nine, um, and they have the dedicated dude who wears the spiky helmet, who just their job is just to sample, and that's really neat and it's super cool because we we realized in in like alternative and rock music that like oh sampling's really fun to do and Soul Coughing did a lot of it and they did it really really well. Um, we have upright bass which is super cool. It's extremely lyric focused. This is this is essentially just one big piece of poetry with really cool accompaniment which yes, we can make the argument that that's what songs are. Okay, I get it, but this one even more so because the <laughs> prose is so strong. And Mike Doty does this cool thing. He does it a lot. It's one of his tropes. He'll and he he does it in this tune. He does it in other tunes too. Like if for for the listeners, if you don't know Soul Coughing, you might know them by like their most popular tune, which is on my least favorite album of theirs. Um, but that doesn't matter. Um, El Oso, where it circles. I don't need walk around in yeah. circles. Walk around. But he but Mike <laughs> Doty does the thing at the end of that little walk around in circles. He just likes to leave one or two words off of his sentence or off of the the verse yes. and it's neat because it's like you're just letting it fit syllabically and rhythmically and you don't care if you finish the that line again it's just gone and then all of a sudden yeah. the voice because you're saying nonsensical words because your two or three word sentence now doesn't make any sense because there's no closure now all of a sudden your voice is even more so an instrument and not the main feature and it's really cool it's a really cool way to use your voice and to use prose so i that is such a cool way of looking at it i hadn't thought about it of like 
the voice being an instrument because it's not because you're not finishing the phrase right but like you just well, blew my mind you blew my mind <laughs> that's, sir that's how i think about about it too as an instrumentalist like like okay so we can say the the voice is no longer or like lyrics specifically lyrics because the voice is always a melodic instrument it can always be a melodic instrument even though there are a few instances like historically with like and by melodic instrument one pitch at a certain time um, it's quite difficult to sing multiple pitches with the human voice, although there are examples of it like uh, in tuva or humi, a Tuvanese throat singing, multiple pitches at once. Um, there's even a popular American vocalist, her name is Layla Hathaway, who did this cool collaboration with Snarky Puppy and was singing multiphonics, multiple pitches at the exact same time. And it was during a live recording and it's on video. If you go to YouTube, Layla Hathaway um, I think it's called something or whatever, just Layla Hathaway, snarky puppy towards the end of the video. And you have to watch the whole thing. Cause it's a great payoff. She just starts, she's scatting and then she does these multiphonics with her voice and everyone in the live recording is looking at each other. And like, they're all professional musicians. They're multiple Grammy award-winning musicians. They've heard a bunch of stuff. It's kind of, I feel like it's difficult to impress them in a way, even though they don't need to be impressed, yeah. but she starts doing these multiphonics with her voice during a solo and everyone's looking at each other like, what the fuck is happening right now as they're playing live music? And it's like such a profound thing. But I can go on and on about scat singing and whatever. But specifically when you're using lyrics and because what Mike Doty does in Super Bon Bon, the lyrics are move upside and let the man go through. And then later in the song, he just says move up and let the man go. And it's a weird yeah. thing to say. It's like it sounds like slang, but then it's also you realize it's self-referential because it's literally the exact same thing, just with stuff knocked off. And I think at that point they no longer really become lyrics; they just become a, like I don't know, part of the mix, part of the instrument family. Like he he samples himself and then scratches. Himself. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really cool thing he does, and he does that in circles as well. So if you know circles, you know yeah. that one. It's really chaotic. Um, this tune, there's like weird samples of just these completely dissonant screeches and stuff, but there's, but like, which is a testament to how well this track is mixed and mastered. Like listening to some of the tracks, like off of Evil Empire and whatever, I, I, I feel like, you know, my, my ears have become accustomed to modern mixing and mastering and production. Um, so like, like listening to some Tool or Rage or even Soundgarden, there's a lot of mids, there's a lot of highs. You don't get that same sort of like, I don't know, like you've just taken an edible and like you're like in a bubble bath or something. Like that that same feeling of when you listen to a track, like it sounds so warm and full and rich and like there's some sort of a drone happening the entire way. But this right. this track, it's it's produced so well. It sounds so relevant and so modern, even though you have all yeah. these stereotypes of music that was happening in 1996, like yeah. upright bass, uh, like I don't know, a lot, like a lot of really poppy snare, mm -hmm. and, and there is like it's it's rough around the edges. It's it's yeah, it's it checks so many boxes. And then I was like, I was thinking, 
okay, well, I'm hearing elements in this of electronic music. I'm hearing elements of like chaotic hardcore, chaotic hardcore. I'm hearing elements of cyber grind. I'm hearing elements of modern jazz. This is like right around the time we get Brian Setzer, Cherry Pop and Daddies, um, Squirrel Nut Zippers are really hot at this point. So like huh? we we get all these cool elements of like all the stuff that's happening already, and it's this cool amalgam of all these seemingly like disparate styles that just they come together so well and it's like shouty and scratchy and it's it's in my opinion it is a near perfect song um i yeah i could listen to it for a very long time and still be stoked about it jordan i I will say that uh smart uh, like anyone who i know that listens to soul coughing has always been, like you said before, just a really, really smart, <laughs> like, like into like into music in a way that is like four levels, not different, but like added four level, like four mattresses on top of the P from what I uh, the PEA. <laughs> yeah, that, I get it. Sorry. Yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all we were we were all picking up what you were putting down. But like you, you, you remind me now. My my friend was a DJ, and I know I made the Danny Snare Drum thing earlier. His name was Ryan Samples, and he did he was a DJ, and that's that's true. All of that is true. Awesome. And uh, he was really into Tribe Called Quest and Soul Coughing, and he reminds me of you in just a whole bunch of ways. Like he was really funny in like the weirdest like in if I don't want to toot any I'm not the musician here. I don't want to toot any horns too much, but. <laughs> You in the same way that you have changed the way that people at the Scavengers Network talk and make jokes and like emphasize syllables and stuff. My friend Ryan Samples was the same in high school. Like I can still do a Ryan Samples impression in a way that like I only have to do like two movements to someone that see, that has met him to to fully invoke him. But he was so influential on us. And he really likes soul coughing, and you really remind me of him in a, in a lot of really really cool ways. So that turned into a thing where uh, I just wanted to say that you're really influential <laughs> on the people I know, but also good pick, James. That is very nice of you. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna if if what you say is true about influence, I'm just gonna start pissing my pants and farting um, loudly, okay. and I hope that influences more people that way because. I think it will influence people to act in perhaps unpredictable, perhaps incredibly predictable ways. <laughs> oh, don't, I, I know, you're going to piss your pants, aren't you? I know what you're going to do. <laughs> I am right now. <laughs> if pissing your pants is cool, I'm Miles Davis. <laughs> I never got that joke. I never got that joke until I was in undergrad and I, and I wasn't even watching the movie. And I was like, oh, that's a really, that's fucking funny. That's a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm done blabbering about soul coughing. I love that track. Um, please listen to that track. Please, loud, very loud. I just want to recap that yes. we got Slipknot and Throat Singing in the middle of that, uh, and I just really want to point out the amazing guests that we have gotten on this show. Just Yes, I love both. <laughs> I love both. <laughs> and you can, of course, go to... Uh, we'll have the link to it in the show notes. But you can go to our Spotify playlist where we have all of our picks. Yes, uh, and listen to Super Bon Bon right now if you want. Yeah, we'll we'll wait, wait the whole length of the song. James, 
Yes. Would you like to share with us your pick? Yes, I would. Um, my pick, I picked uh, 46 and 2 by Tool. I got into Tool in 2001. Tool 1001, <laughs> I call it. it. No, I, I didn't call it that. Um, but I could have because Tool sort of looks like 2001. Where was I? Oh, uh, yeah. So in 2001, I got into uh, Tool uh, with Lateralis, which is the next album that they released. Um, and a fun memory of, about Tool is I was listening to it and my friend Paul Riley who I've talked about a lot on this show, I was like, oh, James, you listen to metal? Cool. And I was like, nice. I listen to this because it reminds me of Pink Floyd, but sure, metal, nice. Um, so then I went to a show with Riley, a tool show with Riley, and um, then having seen that they that their great songs extended beyond uh just that one album of course you know because of course they did and also hearing them a bunch on uh, virginia beach alternative radio uh and hearing the sort of story about what this song is perhaps uh the 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 explanation that i've always heard about this song which makes sense to me and sort of uh sets my mind on fire a little bit also it's a really weird put together song it's just i love listening to tool because they make sort of the same way that you were talking about with soul coughing they'll make a noise and then they'll keep doing the noise in places where I'm like, I don't know when you're going to do that next, but I know it'll be perfect when you do. Like, it, it'll hit at a time when I wasn't expecting it. And yet it'll be the only place it could yes. have hit to make yes. sense. So this is just, a, it's just a great, a great song. Um, I, I, every time, like, it's just a, it's a drum on your steering wheel song for me. I like when I know a, a really sort of like not straightforward we're going to call it a drum solo, but like, you know, sort of the end of this song is really fun if you know what's going on because you can sort of hit on the beat on, on your steering wheel. And I, I do that every single time I listen to this song. So uh, my pick is Tool, uh, 46 and 2. That's a great pick, James. I was unfamiliar with this song. I didn't listen to, I have, I have not listened to Tool really much at all. And I was listening to this song earlier today and I was like, oh, dang. Yeah. This is a good track. It yeah. really is, and like Tool, Tool did one of those things. Uh, it was almost like how you know you like crush up vitamins for your dog in their food, so they will eat or their or yeah. their their medicine. Tool does that a lot with um, really cool synthetic scales and really cool. Um, yeah. Not cool, like they're like super unique. They're just not often used in popular music, but like interesting, odd time signatures. They hide those in, and a lot of those tunes in yeah. seven eight. And that's what's yeah. really neat about it is like you have this, you know, arenas full of people going to see Tool, who are rocking out yeah. collectively in seven eight, and then leaving <laughs> that concert and like realize I, I it's it's nice because. A lot of people say this, like, Lindsay, my wife says it a lot, where she's like, well, I don't know a lot about music, but she listens to a ton of music. And if you listen to a ton of music, specifically stuff like Tool or any group that's using, like, really dissonant stuff that sounds really good or it's really well-placed and well-mixed or odd time signatures, you end up leaving your listening session uh, almost like you've just done this, like, active like engaged music listening with them and you leave learning more and knowing more about music and like appreciating a lot about it. And it's almost like groups like tool or this gateway group to like allowing you or giving your, like giving you permission to go seek more weird stuff. Absolutely. hundred percent. I absolutely agree with that. The, the things that I listen to because I, I randomly really liked the song schism 
and just was like, I have some money to spend on CDs. Let's get this one. Looks really weird. Um, th- that I wouldn't have otherwise listened to is 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 a, a, a list of like bands that I really, oh, really yeah. love. So, hey, Daniel. Hey, James. What did what did you pick? What did you bring to to add to the mix? That's a great. A great so- uh, question. Not a great song. It's a great question. It's a great song that you picked. My words are not wording tonight, gentlemen. I am not being great at podcasting. You're being Dodie-esque and leaving some words out and Ooh, mixing them around. And yes, them around. let's say it's a choice. <laughs> so I have long been a fan of uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers, considering they are a North Carolina band from just down the street in Chapel Hill, same place that good old Ben Folds is from. Oh, mm-hmm. new shit. Yeah. That's sweet. It's really great music scene out in the Chapel Hill area. There's a couple of really, really great venues that I love going to. I saw, I mean, Merge Records was based in Chapel ah, Hill and released yeah. some amazing artists. Sylvan Esso. Yeah, that's Esso. right. In, from Durham, right? Yep, from Gosh, Durham. Sylvan Esso. North Carolina, USA. Uh, Sylvan Esso. I cannot, I can't get enough Sylvan Esso. And then who's the one? Is it Rossano or Sanborn who's in Sylvan Esso? Who's the other dude? It's the last name of the dude. Oh my goodness. I'm, I, well, uh, I could also be wrong. Sanborn, Nick Sanborn. Okay. Then Sanborn and this dude, I forget the other, but speaking of Sylvan Esso, really quick, not a lot of people know about this album, and I'm not saying that in a gatekeepy way. I'm saying it in a way that it makes me sad, and I want more people to know about it. Rossano and Sanborn released an album, the artist named Rossano and Sanborn. I think it's called Sunday Morning or Saturday Morning, um, and it's all instrumental, and it's a beautiful, beautiful record that has ties to North Carolina. Nice. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I need, to, yeah, I want to check that out because I'm with this grad school stuff. I'm really trying to find some really good instrumental stuff to to get into. So that is definitely something that I want to I want to track down. Uh, but I've been a big fan of Squirrel Nut Zippers for a long time. I've always loved uh, sw- swing adjacent music, and they have a lot of like songs in in minor keys and like with a with weird or dark kind of lyrical content that i've i've just always loved and so when i first heard hell off their album hot when i was a kid i was a little bit shy a, <laughs> no something came along caught my eye no i was obsessed with spooky things oh goodness that that's not sure that anything's changed, changed. <laughs> oh, daniel is gesturing uh to their torso they're shirtless so yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently wearing a shirt with uh, witches and bats and jack-o'-lanterns on it. It is June 3rd. <laughs> but I, I loved, like, mytho- I would always have mythology books checked out from the library and was reading up on stuff like that. And so, like, a song that has to do with the afterlife and the concept of hell, even though I was never a religious person, I was just, like, fascinated by it. Yeah. And w- without getting too much into into specifics, the instrumentation in this is so good. Yeah. The piano stands out to me, like beautifully mixing in with the rest of the instruments, but sure. still like hovering above a little bit. It's just it's it's great musicality with wacky, spooky lyrics. Yeah, that's so much fun for me. What what makes this recording fun too is. I don't know if this if it was just strategic mixing and mastering, but it sounds like this 
they were just in a giant circle. It, it, it sounds like when they recorded this in the studio, it was just a huge live recording in a big room. I don't know, because you can all hear them yeah. shouting at the same time. And I understand that all can be done in post or however. But like to me, that's one of the things that makes this track really fun to listen to is how yeah. it was recorded. Because it sounds like yeah. you're in the audience of their show. Yeah. Because it is rough around the edges, this this yeah. track. And it's it's fun. It's fun to listen to. Yeah. It, it it reminds me. It's funny you say. I had never. This is this is where I am with this track. I had never thought about how it's about hell, and that could have been a religious thing. Like I've never connected it to that. But when I picture this song, and I don't, I think I've probably seen the music video. Squirrel and Zippers got banned from MTV because of another song from this album. But they, I, I picture when I hear this song, it's like a diorama of hell. But you found it in a haunted house from the 1930s. Like, yes. you have to like blow the dust off of it. Like, the language is like outdated almost, and it's like faded and whatever. But it's still still like really spooky because of all the things that are like there's been time passed, and like it's it's so removed from religion that it comes back around to spooky. And I really like that. I think that's. It's a it's a very yeah. Daniel feeling song. If I may. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's a very kind, very kind thing for you to say. Yeah, this I, I remember seeing I, I remember seeing Squirrel Nut Zippers randomly at some food festival in North Carolina, maybe in 97, 98. My nice. my dad grew up in North Carolina, I forget where, but then spent a lot of time in uh what is it? Uh, Norfolk in Virginia and like Pocosin. Mm-hmm. But I remember we were down there visiting family around 96, 97, and they were playing at some food thing uh, in some park amphitheater. And it was like, what the, what the hell? Squirrel Nut Zippers is playing at this <laughs> thing for free? It was so weird, but it was so fun. You're like, what the hell? And they're like, yeah, that's our next no, song. Oh, <laughs> two, three, four. Nice call, buddy. A one, two, three. <laughs> nice call, 11-year-old. A one, two, three. Say. <laughs> All right. So we have three incredible songs that uh-huh. are very different from each other. Yeah. And oh, I'm, yeah. I am so excited to Frankenstein these together into something new. It's going to be... This is going to be a weird one, and I can't wait. It is. James, yes. would you like to share with us your aspects from this song? I, I Yes, I, I will do that. I will do that. Okay, so uh, my first aspect is that the lyrics have a uh, sci-fi slash horror slash sort of body horror, gross sort of Jeff Goldblum's The Fly sort of vibe to them. Uh, so the genre, I'd like it to be a sci-fi slash horror sort of deal. Okay. Second, weird stilted time signature. And I do have a citation for this because I did look it up on Wikipedia because I didn't want to get on this freaking podcast and have both of you be like, it's in 4-4. What are you talking about? <laughs> so here's, and I did look it up on Google and I said, what's the time signature of 462? Uh, and Google said 4-4. And I was like, oh no. So then I clicked on the article and Google was... uh really consolidating a lot more of a complicated thing than that. It's a very (laughs) complex time signature. There's a point when, like, everyone is playing a different time signature. Yeah. Like, the bass is is on 7-8, the drum is on, like, 5-8, I want to say. Here's what Wikipedia said. It's wild. 
The song is mostly in 4-4 time, with some sections of 7-8 in between. In the intro, the drummer Danny Carey plays four measures of 7-8 on his ride cymbal over the rest of the band playing in 4-4, and they all meet up on the downbeat of the fifth measure in 4-4. During the bridge, there are three measures of 7-8, followed by one measure of 4-4. During a particular quad fill, the drums are in 3-8. The guitar plays one measure of 9-8, followed by one in 5-8, all while the bass keeps time in 7-8. So awesome. uh, that ish, an air, a thing in that area is sort of what I'd like uh, the second aspect to be. Wild, I love it. <laughs> and and with that, uh, I'm actually going to delete what I just read, uh, and never worry about the time signature of the song we're going to write ever ever again. So uh, take care, uh, take care, take luck with that. So um, the last. I just really lean on Daniel a lot in these episodes. And uh, Jordan, I'm glad you're here because I can lean on two people. And that's really nice. Yeah, um, nice. Finally, uh, uh, I wrote staccato sla- drum slash guitar. But what I'm re- specifically referring to is at the end where the guitar and the drums are playing the same beat, like in a sort of staccato, like jabby sort of way. Okay. So that's that's the third, uh, the third thing that I'd like uh from my song to be in the song that we're writing. Fantastic. I love there that. There is something so satisfying too, like from, you You actually hear it a lot like in modern jazz. You also hear it a lot in metal. I mean, a lot Tool and a few other groups. The There is such a gratifying feeling where you make stank, you know, like what's it's, it's that thing like musicians will make that stanky ass face like they're grossed out when they hear something yeah. they like. When you have 7-8 over 4-4, four, four, it feels yeah. and sounds so, so good. Yeah. I just, I can't get enough. I can't get enough of it. I, that's really all I have to Love say it. about it. I just, I, 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 I like it. <laughs> yeah. The, like, oh. the second time I listened to this song, uh, I was like trying to pick up on the time signature because it's just so wild. Yeah. With what they do with it. Uh, and I just, I love it so much. I really want. I, I was. I mean. I meant to say this during my first aspect. I just wanted to really touch on uh, forty-six and two uh, refers to the number of chromosomes on in the human genome. Uh, well, there are forty-six. There's twenty-two non-sex chromosomes and then two uh, sex chromosomes. Forty-six and two is about genetic engineering. Two more on there, uh, and the effect that that has on the person and and like all the stuff that's going on like i've been picking scabs again and it's doing all this weird stuff to their body and in the in the at the video at, oh tool music videos rule oh, by the way yeah. anyone like oh. go look up yeah <laughs> uh, yeah in the the video they showed at the concert which i think is probably the video for the the whatever but uh like the guy grows like uh insect wings out his back or whatever in like the grossest like metalist way possible so 46 and 2 uh for me, so I also saw a Jungian in, in, in interpretation, but like, I like the cool sci-fi horror one better, and so uh, uh, I wanted to, to get that on tape because uh, it's a really like I really love when like Tool also has a song about like fingers crossed California will drop off into the ocean and I'll have beachfront property here in Arizona. Like, <laughs> so they they have really good. Uh, no, then there's also um, a song called Stinkfist, oh, which yeah. is. Uh, half about well it's if you listen to it one way it's really really motivational and like supportive and whatever and then if you listen to it in the other way it's about anal fisting so like um 
<laughs> yeah, because like, there, there's a line, this might hurt a little, but it's something you'll get used to. Yeah, and it's like, uh, take take my hand is the last line of the thing, and uh, take is doing some duty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did not mean that, but it is. Uh, but in another way, I did, because Tool went in both ways. So anyways, uh, Tool is a great band, and they have great lyrical content, and I wanted to uh, get that in before we... Before we uh, Everything I say sounds like anal fisting now, so write that down as a title. <laughs> Anyways. Great, James. Someone else talk please, now. Please, <laughs> please, please. All right, so I'll just jump in with my aspects then. Um, whew. So my first aspect I have in all caps, just the mm. word horns. Nice. Jackpot. Because I love the horns in this, and... I actually even had I had that with the hopes that we would have Jordan Reed on this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I had that before we had him fully penciled in. I can record some horn stuff for you if you want. But I would absolutely yes, love that. Yeah, just yes. send me send me send me stuff and I'll send you more stuff. Deal. So I, I want some good kind of bouncy slinky horns uh, or or because I've got a trumpet that I can I can tool around with a little bit, uh, uh, but some some sax would be sweet to to pair up those those two. I think what would lend itself well to squirrel nut zippers and tool would be Barry, um, because it's low. Who is he? Um, Barry Manilow. Yeah, oh, so wow. do Barry Manilow. <laughs> Let's get him on the horn. <laughs> Uh, horn horn yeah that would be cool too because it's loud it's shouty it's guttural which is also fun for school nut zippers but it's also spooky which is good for tool Mm -hmm. i love it i love it next up i have a dark line turns light so there is the line teeth are extruded and bones are ground and baked into cakes which are passed around that that is that is exactly it (laughs) Which starts off, this is a place where eternally fire is applied to the body is the first start of that. And then teeth are extruded and bones are are ground. Not not fun. Does not sound like no, fun. No, I think that sounds like it freaking sucks. It does. Uh, but then in a very jovial kind of like, you can hear him bouncing around as he sings, and baked into cakes which are passed around. <laughs> And it's just, I love that dichotomy so much. I'm, I, I thought you were doing a bit where you were like, yeah, James, that's the line I mean. But you actually meant, yeah, James, that's the line I mean. That is the line that I mean, <laughs> yes. It's just great. Uh, I love it so much. It's one of my favorites uh, in the song because of just the, the fun feel of it. So dark, dark line turns light almost, but it's still dark content. It just sort of, that now there's a spotlight on it, sort of like a dancey sort of dance off stage sort of deal to it yeah i mean it's still it's still dark but also like baked into a cake that then gets passed around that's fun right yeah everyone loves cake bone bone Mm -hmm. and teeth cake one of my favorite bands but uh (laughs) it uh like i i would ideally like to have that like lyrical dichotomy and the way that it's sung dichotomy as well okay where you know it's it's it starts off as one thing and turns into another and rather than like something that's starting out light and turning dark i love because i feel like that happens a lot more in in music but like starting out as not great and turning into something fun is uh i think a lot a lot more of an enjoyable 
route to take. I agree. I totally yeah. agree. And uh, then my last one is pretty simple. It's just spelling out a long word. Oh, that's, that's, you know, what's cool? You can find a shitload of those kind of any, anywhere yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of words out there that we can just spell. <laughs> Babe, wake up. New word just dropped. That's right. And uh, yeah, so we get damnation spelled out in this song. Uh, the D and the A and the M and the N and the A and the T and the I O N. You know what's funny is I didn't know what word that was was being spelled until you just said it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what's dam damashown? <laughs> Which, speaking of that, also another long word that people didn't know how to pronounce. Also, an album released in '96, the Jamiroquai album. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had a roommate in undergrad who. It was obvious that he asked me this, and it was like a moment of vulnerability. We were, wa- we, and it was out of <laughs> fucking nowhere. We were watching TV, and we hadn't talked in like an hour, just watching TV. And then he mutes the TV, and he was like, "Hey, Jordan, who's Jamaraki?" And I was like, <laughs> "What?" And he, and then he unmuted the TV and said, "Never mind." Like he was embarrassed about it, and I was like, "Wait, what's going on here? Do you mean Jamiroquai?" Yeah, 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 yeah. And then didn't say anything about it ever again for the rest of his life. I mean, he's still alive, but it was just so presumably, presumably though. Yeah, he could have gotten embarrassed, had some Jamiroquai embarrassment at pub trivia. I don't know. It was just so weird Jamaraki. that he muted the TV and like he. I don't know. It was the 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 setting was weird, but. Yeah, yeah, the audience hushed. Yeah. Everyone waited for him to say. It was so fucking weird. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, with with long spelling like that in a in a song, my sister once referred to uh, a song like that as uh, starting out with a spelling bee. You know, you're losing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> There's a um, a TikTok out there. Uh, you know that song that spells out um, independent. It's a it's a hip hop song from like the twenty two thousands. It's like I N D E P E N D E N T. Do you know what I mean? I'm seeing on your face that you are both sure, big fans of this song. Very uh, familiar and I was with thinking that about, music. I was thinking about that, uh, which I know from a, a Girl Talk album. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, that how this is like the 1996 swing revival version of that, and uh, just sort of. Uh, being like, that'll be a good thing to bring up on the pod later, because I think people, that's a pretty relatable thing to bring up. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so anyway, uh, that those are my aspects that I will be bringing into our song premise. Excellent. Jordan. Yes. What are you bringing? You know, because we, we mentioned it in Tool, we mentioned it in Soul Coughing. Some sort of sampling orchestral sampling anything that doesn't really fit but isn't too i don't know invasive uh and it can be used at the beginning it can be used at the end it can be used kind of whenever because this whole thing in a weird way because it's very polished because it's tool um or tool inspired but it's also very rougher on the edges because it's squirrel nut zippers and soul coughing inspired yeah, kind of whenever the fuck you want. Love it. This song is going to be love so it. weird. It's going to be so this weird. This song is going to be amazing. I would love, <laughs> if it's not upright bass, something to emulate upright bass, or like something string bass soundy. Something soundy like stringy bass. Okay. Got it. And then another lyric one, 
is the classic Mike Doty lyric drop where you leave one off. You leave one word off, two words off, whatever. That's it. Those are, those, that's, that's it. That's my short list. I can't wait to write our song, Anti-Disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> right? It's so good. So, so let's take a look at the different aspects that we have. I've got lyrics have a sci-fi horror body horror vibe. Weird stilted time signature and staccato drums and guitar in unison piece from 46 yeah. and 2. Yeah. I've got horns, a dark line turns light and spelling a long word from hell. Mm. And sampling that doesn't really fit. Something soundy like stringy bass is, I believe, <laughs> verbatim what yeah, was said. And, the, right? and I'm pulling yep. from my and Italian roots there. Something is sounding like yeah, right. sounding yeah, yeah. a string of bass. Like a string of bass. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, leaving words off of a line. Yes. Yes. Uh, from Super Bon Bon. So sorting those into music and lyric aspects, I'm counting that we have five music aspects in horns, weird stilted time signatures, staccato drums and guitar, sampling that doesn't really fit, and something soundy like stringy bass. It's just so fun to say. And four lyric aspects with dark line turns light, spelling a long word. Lyrics have a sci-fi horror vibe and leaving words off. Right. What I love is that this does not point to anything in terms of like a specific music genre. Right. I think this is this is going to be truly an absolute Frankenstein's creation of things that like... I don't think we can. Yeah, right. I mean, it almost sounds like you're you're describing on how to make like the the ingredients for a good mashup. Like you're you're mm. you're not trying to fit one thing. So I think you're already in a really good spot since it is mashy uppy, and all of these elements are seemingly quite different. I want to point out something real yes. quick. The word Frankenstein is very long. It is. And also the story of Frankenstein is also sort of sci-fi body horror-y. Ooh. It is indeed. Some would say that it started the sci-fi genre. <laughs> I, and that person is Lindsay Nelson. Lots of other people, but <laughs> yes, specifically people like Lindsay correct, Nelson. But specifically <laughs> Lindsay Nelson. <laughs> um, everyone else before and after her birth uh, have copied her in saying that. Um, that, is, that is correct. <laughs> that, corre- that very correct and accurate thing. Not, yes. She didn't like, yeah. So like... An idea, just to just to spitball here, is something to do with Frankenstein and Frankenstein being the word we spell out, and also uh, we could have the lyrics be something in the in the uh, area of uh, grave robbing, stitching together bodies and bringing them to life. We bring good things to life. Yeah, I like that. I like I that was, a lot. I was counting the number of letters in Frankenstein to hope. Uh, in in the hopes that it was like a nine or eleven or a thirteen to do odd time stuff, but I think it's twelve, yep. right? I got twelve. Yeah, shit, but well, we tried. Yeah, yeah, I got twelve. Come on, too. Mary Shelley. Wait, did you, wait, did you not see this? Yeah, did you not picture this in Mary your mind? Mary Shelley, were you not into math rock? <laughs> <laughs> so I love that idea. Okay, of putting Frankenstein in as our as our subject. What number? here's a very james question here it is what numbers would be good for long for length of of word if you're looking to spell and you want some odd time signature i mean 11's cool 13's cool um even nine 
No, I mean, nine's not really asymmetrical, but there are like ways you can group nine, eight to make it sound like it's not nine, eight. Like if you think to the first track on Time Out, the Dave Brubeck uh, quartet album, yeah. quintet, quartet, quintet. I forget. I'm a bad musician. Quartet, Dave Brubeck um, quartet. But if you think about quartet. it, the Tria. that Do whole it. intro, it doesn't sound like nine, right. eight, but it's purely nine, eight. Um Right. So nine's cool, eleven's cool, thirteen's cool. If we're looking for the asymmetrical tool thing and spelling, that's two Nine two birds once. Cool. <laughs> Oops. Uh oh. What was the question? Because like <laughs> Frankenstein, and we have the Mike Doty letter drop, and then that makes it eleven, and then true. You could also um, leave out the e in Frank N, and then it just be F-R-A-N-K-N-Stein, that could also work. Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, it it could. I actually kind of like that. Because the uh, N could just be saying E-N together oh, as that's N. that's great! Or now, it could just be the letter um, on its own. Funkenstein also is 11 letters. <laughs> <laughs> so is, um... So is Fartenstein? Um... Oh, no, that's true. Listen. listen, and we could sample a bunch of farts. <laughs> oh, I um, quit. <laughs> Daniel, I do like your idea about you can still keep the E-N in Frankenstein, but when you spell it as you're spelling it, you can make it 11 by just saying N, which you're implying in yeah. E and an N. Yeah. I'd like to come back around to Funkenstein. Okay, yeah, and if we could... I actually do really like Funkenstein too, though. <laughs> But my my concern with Funkenstein is that if we were to write a song called Funkenstein, it would need to be A, funky, which I have no problem Mm. with, but B, I think a little more lighthearted than the horror that we're going for. But what if it didn't? I can't, I don't think I can picture a world in which Funkenstein is not a fun... Funkenstein. Dr. Funkenstein. We we could put the fun in Funkenstein. Dr. Funkenstein is also uh, a parliament track too that's true that's a good point so we should do a cover of that yeah fuck it (laughs) is that okay that's that's all we need to do perfect the second cover of the podcast (laughs) not the last i can see your point um about uh the content being it'd be weird for a funk song to have the words like oozing and uh suture and stuff suture yeah like uh yeah spleen you know like words like toenail the James, you're saying you're saying words right now when like a little kid wants to seem really gross and tough, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well you're a you're a Jordan, nasty." Toenail. I want to say right now that th- that is I am a little kid who wants to seem gross and tough, uh, but no poopy right stuff. You hear that? Perfect, perfect. Except for the anal fisting stuff from before, but that was right. Sort but of, that's we're moving you know. on from that. Well, and that's less you know scatological, and in this case, more romantic i would say it's like less excrement and more increment yes. yeah you're right so anyways jordan I, w- I would say jordan might be a bad influence i'm we've had a great time here uh, no if you feel very strongly about funkenstein i can, I'm, I'm i'm willing to to cave on funkenstein completely okay i really want to have a fun sci-fi bo- well i really want to have a sci-fi body horror sort of situation going on and if yeah if funkenstein prevents that from happening then I would be willing to change. I think we could make it work. Great. I believe in your lyrical prowess. The to sample be able to is make just it work. Ew. 
<laughs> ew. It's just someone saying <laughs> ew. I mean, we could very, I could very easily get a, a sample of Colin Clive saying it's alive from the original Ooh. Frankenstein. That's, that's not going to take any effort at all. I probably, honestly, probably already have it on my computer. <laughs> Daniel's like, I actually probably, and then just hits a button and we just hear it. Just hear it. And just, it might be, I I'm have not it sure, but it might also be my error tone that plays when my computer borks. Well, if if you want it to be body horror related, funk could relate to smell. That's yeah. a very good point. That's a good point. If we're not going to... Okay. I'm on board with Funkenstein. Yeah. Okay. I still... I, do you think that we shouldn't have it be a funk song, though? I like using Funkenstein as not a funk song. As, as like, like stinky. P-U. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yucky. There's our spell... Oh, it's a long word. Never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, yeah, I think we can make it not a funk song. Okay. And that'll be, that'll be okay. Okay. Cool. Do we want to try and figure out what we will make it be? Well, we're going to have horns. We're going to have a stringy bass, drums and guitar, sampling that doesn't really fit, but that doesn't really fit. So that shouldn't be taken into account while we're looking True. at that. Right. I do feel like with horns and with spelling a little bit, not just like spelling isn't one of the, like, why do you like funk music? Ah, all the spelling in it. It's fucking cool. Um, <laughs> but like, it does lend it to the, the, the only things that really don't lend itself to being a funk style track would be the odd time signatures because most funk we hear is in a blatant 4-4. Right. right. But if that's the only thing holding it back from being a funk tune, it also doesn't need to be like this mixed meter you know, showy-offy escapade. It could just have a bar or two of something weird. Yeah, we don't need yeah. to go, like, full dream theater exactly. on this. Exactly. exactly. Oh, okay. Hold on, let me cross in Let me cross here. off the words, go full dream theater? <laughs> <laughs> That's idea number two I had, um, but... But, I mean, you've got, okay. you've got a point. The, the instruments do kind of push towards... Something either kind of swingy or funky, and we already like we're already using we've got swing as an origin point, so it'd be more interesting, I think, to go in a different direction. So we would do funk. Um, would it make sense for the weird time signature stuff and maybe even the samples? Because if I'm, I don't want to go too deep in the in the extending this metaphor, but in a way, Frankenstein's monster was sort of like the original sampling that is that is true yeah human sampling and yep so like um if the outro slash breakdown of the song was the weird time signatures and the sampling as sort of like an illustration of the of the finished product of the of the monster so it could be here's what we could do because i love that idea we could have bits we could have like different parts of the song yeah. in individual time signatures. Yeah. And then and then we can try and bring them yeah. all together at the end. Yeah. It's going to be difficult to do and it's yeah. probably not going to sound great. Oh. Unless, what if it did though? Well, I would have to be a better musician. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'd be a very interesting thing to try at the very least yeah. of having these like rather than having like a chorus and a verse and a bridge we have an arm and a leg and a torso and then we 
put those together at the end. Oh, so the so the things that you could write about the people that had the parts and like how they died or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like removing the appendage or part as the thing, and then you put it all together after in the end thing. Yeah. That's really fun. This might be one of the more ambitious uh, song premises we have we have done, I would say. You know, when, when you do put them all together in the end as well, even though they might not match up metrically, if they're all in the same key, which a lot of funk tunes are like one big vamp, and then all of a sudden you just move to four, or you move to five really quick, and you go back to one, they would still fit harmonically. That's true. Just metrically, they'd be all screwy, but that's cool too, because funk is also minimalism. So depending on where your downbeat is, that might not matter so much if that's the goal towards the end. I'm I am loving that. I am loving this. I am so into this whole idea. This, when they say trunk, is that your whole torso and 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 legs? Oh, I don't. Uh, know. I think that the trunk is basically like the the torso. And the hips part of it, but not the legs themselves. Oh, so like when you rip the legs off of Ken and the arms and the head, that's the trunk? Yes. Okay. Wow, yeah. Talking about a human trunk, I really don't see any appendages attached to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Arm, head, torso, brain. um, (laughs) (laughs) Et cetera. Et cetera. Um, All right, this is gonna be this is gonna be weird, and and perhaps get us on a whole bunch of lists, but it's gonna be great. That's right. And th- listen, you're, you're, if you're if you're not getting on lists, are you really doing art to the most that you can? No, that's true. No, no. that's true. And that's my gatekeeping belief. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's. You're not an artist unless you're on a list. Right. Name me three lists you're on. Artists, twins, okay, podcasters. Yeah, wow. Oh, very good. True art. True oh, artist. Yeah, you're an artist. True yeah. artist. There yeah. we go. It, what's <laughs> What's weird is that like artist was the first list, even though we specifically, I guess it's sort of like it hits the filter at the same time sort of situation. I'm losing my mind um, and maybe putting it into a monster. So maybe we should go off on our separate ways into the dark, dark. Yeah, night. I think maybe we should uh, we should wrap up. Jordan, do you have any projects you would like to plug or anything you'd like to uh, give a shout out to? Yeah, sure. You know, since this is a music podcast, I'll talk about some music projects. I have been uploading some new recordings to my own website, um, jordantaylorreed.com. There's a music portion on there. There's some stuff I've written and recorded some other stuff that um, other composers have written and recorded, some commissions. I'm also in a duo uh, called MEMS, M-E-M-Z. It's saxophone and percussion and electronics and a bunch of stuff, and um, it's all very painfully diatonic and very nice. Um, M-E-M-Z, you can, we're on Bandcamp exclusively, not because we're hipsters, but because we like making money. Um, even though we're not making a lot, but we don't, you wouldn't really make any money on Spotify because they pay their artists 0.032 or 0032 cents per play or it's 032. It's something silly. Um, and I know just a bunch of other music stuff. I have a show with my wife. This is non-music related called Spooky Spouses, which we're just chilling right now. We're not really releasing anything new at the moment, but we still might. And then I'm part of a show that's actively releasing stuff called PodCube with my buddy Mason and Tucker and some guests randomly. And those are like little tiny nuggets of 
show. And it's, it's all, those are all things I'm involved with, Daniel and James. Fantastic. Very, I, very good. I would personally like to echo a couple of those. Spooky Spouses was how I got to know Jordan, and it's such a, just such a delightful show of yeah. two people with great chemistry talking about spooky stuff and making each other laugh, and it's just so good to listen to, worth going through the backlog, worth celebrating yeah. every time they release a new episode. Uh, whenever they do, uh, no pressure to do so. And also, Mems is phenomenal music that is just like one of, one of those inspirational art things that makes me want to art more. Right? Is like I'll just throw on some Mems and be like, "Yes, this is like when I want when I sit down to like I know I I need to get into the mood to write some music." Mems is one of the things I will listen to. Well, that's great because to it. Hear. it amps me up so thanks daniel uh I, I, of course i also want to shout out uh kelp rabbit um, oh yeah which is jordan's wife Lindsay's uh whole uh art situation where you can buy amazing pieces of art but you can also do commissions like we did for the frankenstein That's shoot right. logo uh which was a, a kelp rabbit original right. and uh uh fucking rocks if i may <laughs> if i may it does and uh Lindsay did uh other uh, um a shirt for Can Hardly Wait Minute um, for us, and she is cool to work with and cool in general. She is so, cool. Like, uh, shout out to Lindsay Reed. Yeah, uh, shout out was. to Lindsay, who before this, she did the weirdest shit. Uh, <laughs> before I left the house to come do this, we had just eaten dinner, and she was basically falling asleep on the couch, and then I was getting ready to leave. And she got really into, she was wide awake all of a sudden was like, oh, I started doing a bunch of weeding today outside. You want to see a weed that's really fun to pull out of the ground? And then uh, put shoes on and walked me outside as I was holding all of my recording gear and made me pull weeds out of the ground to feel how nice it was to pull them out of the ground. I mean, in her defense, and? it was really nice. But it was just yeah. so weird. She was like almost asleep, and then went outside and started doing her work. Yeah, she's the she's the fucking coolest. I love that yeah, for sure, for sure. I love that. Well, that is fantastic. If people wanted to uh, follow you or anything like that, is there anything any spot they can do that on social media, or uh, is it just the website would be the best place for that? Yeah, social media is fine. I'm not really on Twitter much anymore. I don't think a lot of people are. Instagram's good. I have um, Jordan Reed, which is my music one, uh, like my, you know, quote unquote, or gag reflex professional one. And then um, <laughs> I have some other ones on there too. But yeah, that's the one. If, if, if you want to see what's going on musically or with like, I celebrated a bunch of my students on there as well. That one's uh, at JRDN underscore Reed. Or if you search me up, I'm the saxophone player not the professional football player oh yeah there's oh, a jordan wait. reed professional football player who in undergrad we were friends on facebook because i went through and friended a bunch of jordan reeds and uh he said he'd be my friend and then i looked uh when i saw him playing for kansas city uh he's not my friend anymore and i thought that was very you know wow. what rude. but I, that is but weird. I also get it because he's a, <laughs> he's making millions of dollars uh so you know what yeah. i get it is fair. You can find me uh, basically anywhere that you have an account uh, at Dantendo64, uh, D-A-N-T-E-N-D-O-6-4. Uh, James, where can people find you? 
Uh, people can find me on on Twitter at unabashed James U N A B A S H E D J A M E S. That's where I that's where I, I, I'll post random. Sometimes it's one thing that's fun that I do on my Twitter. Just to shout out my Twitter, uh, I'll think of a, a funny thing uh, during uh, like pre recording of a, a, of any number of podcasts, and I'll just uh, I'll just write it on the as just a tweet just sort of like a two what did i write the other day something about captain america and I, but it was a, pl- a play on that and i don't remember what it was um caption america that was what it was it was nice <laughs> or like how i talked about how it's weird that gordon ramsay uh works for triscuits now um because he's a he's a very fancy chef and he yells very loudly and profanely about like chef stuff <laughs> but he's also like these triscuits are fucking great and i'm like i've had triscuits i mean they're fine but like Anyways, so that's the kind of stuff you can find it on a bash. Awesome. And uh, thank you. We are a proud member of the Scavengers Network, a fantastic family of pods and videos and creative endeavors from very, very talented creators. Uh, and you can always find their Twitter at ScavengersNet, and there's that links to a whole bunch of stuff. So check them out, become a patron, and get access to so much content yes it's it's flabbergasting and i mean that sincerely your your flabber will yeah. be gasted yeah guaranteed yeah, yeah. get flabbered you, i don't know why we're quoting all these tool lyrics <laughs> um <laughs> and uh on that note <laughs> see you last year the scavengers network creator driven Community-focused. Treasured content.